for you to feel connected to something, I feel like sense of touch is such a big deal. And so for me just to look at a mountain and just be like, oh, that looks pretty. In my eyes, <laughs> no pun intended, it's just, it's not the same as actually getting to experience it and like using the rock to actually maneuver yourself upwards in a direction that you want to go. Feels completely different than just looking at it. Hi, and welcome to the Venture Life Podcast, the show about what it's really like to pursue your passions and to live a life that you're actually excited about living. I'm your host, Riley McGee, and this is episode number three with Hannah Reeves. So when we talk about chasing your dreams, it turns out that it's pretty much always going to be a struggle. There's almost always some obstacle or unforeseen challenge that either steers us in a different direction or that makes us want to quit altogether. But Hannah speaks as if not only is it okay to struggle when you're supposed to be having the time of your life, but actually for her, she says it just makes it that much sweeter. From conversations about considering law school and how to play with corn, to casually meeting the founder of Zero Shoes, as seen in Shark Tank, and how climbing opened up new opportunities, Hannah opens up about life as a self-proclaimed freelance, you name it. We also occasionally reference how she recorded this episode in what she called a Harry Potter closet at her friend's co-working space, just to clue you in. If you enjoy this episode, the best way to show your support is by sharing it with a friend who you think would benefit from hearing our conversation. So thanks for that. But in the meantime, I bring to you Hannah Reeves. All right, so Hannah... Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. <laughs> so, Hannah, we um, we were we were connecting about uh, we were talking about we both have a love for the outdoors, and I was um, I was interested to to kind of hear a little bit more about like your story and like your background because you said that you're originally from Southern Illinois. Is that right? Yes, that is correct. And so I guess that that we can categorize that as Midwest, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I usually refer to Midwest and um but I generally like to emphasize South, you know, Southern Illinois because I feel like that's just um it's not even I don't I'm tr- I don't want to say you're just bash on where I'm from at all. I love where I'm from, but there's a reason that it's where I'm from and not where I am right now. So <laughs> hmm. yeah, well I'm sure I'm sure we'll get to, to that reason in a second, but uh I'm kinda curious because so you have you have this love for the outdoors and I think anyone that sees you on Instagram or probably out in the real world would that would probably be the first thing that they learn about you um is how passionate you are for climbing and you know outdoorsy life and all that um but I'll share with you when when I was in college actually I took this road trip with um my best friend and also my roommate at the time and we went from Philadelphia and on this college tour it's all these pit stops through western Pennsylvania and Ohio and then out towards towards the midwest and I'll tell you at each for each leg, I tried to take a picture to kind of show you know what the drive was like, what the landscapes like, and when we on we were on our leg from I think it was Columbus to Cincinnati, which is starting to get to that you know the Midwest portion of the country. I think we're like a state away. Right. I I looked at my friend and I said, you know, I think this is it. I I was waiting for something, and I just I took a picture of like a field, like a cornfield, and a sign. I think there was a road sign and that was about it. So I'm wondering, how do you go from <laughs> from that kind of landscape in the Midwest to like, where, where do you think you sparked 
your interest in the outdoors coming from that to now you live in Colorado? Yeah. So, um, it's interesting. You said you took a picture of a cornfield and it's fine. And, um, that about summarizes it, you know, um, like <laughs> that is something that I did often. I took plenty of pictures of sunsets and they all kind of, um, you know, I got to a point where I was like, this is starting to look the same. Um, and as much as I make jokes about it, I actually really enjoyed growing up there because there were so many open spaces. Um, it wasn't public land. Um, I didn't even know what that was at the time, but it was a lot of farmer's land. So mm -hmm. they were just kind of like, all right, here's our crops we're not going to monitor what's going on on this land. So I would actually spend a lot of time outside just in cornfields. Um, I have friends that make jokes, you know, like, Oh, did you grow up with corn? Like playing with corn. And um, I did. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what, what is playing with? What do you, what do you, how do you play with corn? What is, what is that? What, okay. Okay. So if I have to go into details, I told you I wasn't going to hold back on anything. Um, <laughs> my brothers and I, like we would break the corn open and we would throw the little, you know, kernels at each other. Um, and my brothers, of course, were always like, oh, it's a machine gun. And they would just help me with corn. Um, but it's not like I was carrying a baby doll made of corn around. So <laughs> well, there not, are those. It's not that bad. Like corn, corn, is it like corn cannons so that you like launch like cobs of corn um, in those? Maybe. I know of potato guns. I've never heard of a, a yeah, corn cannon. A that corn. sounds a little, that has a better ring to it, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's along the same lines as the potato guns. So, so sorry, but uh, so I didn't mean to derail you. So you went from playing with with corn and chucking kernels at, uh, <laughs> at your siblings to okay. Now that you're saying that again, <laughs> that sounds um, really bizarre. But yeah, so I you know I grew up in this area that is essentially um, the town that I grew up in was really small. I don't know the population or anything, um, but it's called Troy, Illinois, and it is right outside of St. Louis. So you've got this like little town that's surrounded by cornfields um and bean fields and um you know there's there's this interesting thought of like if you want to go somewhere you're going to be driving 30 40 minutes to go to the mall um you know that's just it's kind of removed you've got this sense of community but it's a different lifestyle i guess so i feel like there's a lot of like hunting and you know, I don't know. It's like the way they appreciate the outdoors is a little different than how I guess I do today. Um, so in my mind, I, at the time, I was like, you know, I want to live somewhere different. I feel a little bit landlocked here, understandably. So I actually moved down to Florida for school because I wanted the complete opposite. I wanted the ocean. So I did that for about five years, I think. And, you know, I had my full of the ocean. And then I was like, okay, I want the next extreme. I want to be by the mountains. So I feel like I've just been kind of chasing this variety of where I'm living because I like to use what's provided and what's available. Um, and then once I kind of feel like, okay, this isn't challenging me in the same way, or I feel like I've in a sense outgrown it, then I feel like I've just kind of <laughs> gotten into this, um, you know, pattern in a way of just thinking, okay, where else can I explore? Where else can I go? Um, what else can I experience and actually get to know and not just visit? I want to live there and actually know what it's like. So that's kind of what brought me out to Colorado now. Wow. So it's, I mean, to me, I'm hearing that even in Illinois and, you know, maybe, disclaimer, I'm, I haven't been to Illinois, so I shouldn't really, uh, <laughs> I shouldn't be ragging on it so much, but I think when it comes to people, <laughs> think of the outdoorsy kind of lifestyle, you usually think of like rugged mountains and that kind of stuff. Right. But that's not to say that there's not outdoors, uh, lovers out in the Midwest. And there's a, like you said, uh, 
I think before we got on that there's beauty everywhere, right? Um, right. So right. it sounds like, it almost sounds like that was always kind of a part of you, like that appreciation of the outdoors and nature. And it was really just your moving was almost a pursuit of like growth and challenge and like the next right. step. Right. That's a, that's a really good way of saying it. <laughs> you summarized <laughs> that really well. Instead of just saying, well, there, I went here and there. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, you know, you nailed it. It's, I think also it's interesting because I think growing up in the Midwest, you know, we didn't have the ocean nearby. And so that felt so far away and it felt like something that was just, I don't know, it was hard to imagine actually living next to the open water. So when I was able to do that, I think it spurred, it just kind of like sparked this part of me that was like, okay, I've had a lot of water in the past <laughs> few years. You know, I did the paddleboarding. I did, I went swimming. I kind of started surfing before I moved from Florida, um, which was super fun. But I had also started climbing at a climbing gym in Florida. Mm. And that really, <laughs> I guess, made me just like, okay, we are driving every weekend to go to Tennessee and go bouldering. Why are we doing this? You know, why are we living here? Like, this just seems like there's better places to go. So that's also when I kind of started thinking of coming out to Colorado. Um, and also, I feel like, you know, you appreciate what you don't have. And being in Florida, like, you think of the Midwest as being relatively flat. I was telling you right before we got on here that um, in Illinois, I had a visitor and we were passing this hill and she said, oh, hey, look, you do have hills. Like, there's one right there. Like, that's awesome. And I I had to look at her and I was like, yeah, that's the that's the trash site. That's where they bury our trash. <laughs> <laughs> that's what that hill is. Um, oh, unreal. You know, that's so Florida, crazy. I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I remember actually getting on Google and Googling what's the biggest hill in Florida is there a hill here other than parking garages? Um, you know, and that sounds like I'm exaggerating, but I think most people, if you know Florida, you know, it's pretty flat. Yeah. So, you know, that made me think, okay, let's go out to Colorado. And that was a bit of a rude awakening. I came out here and I was like, Oh, I'm going to go running. Like I always have. And I couldn't do anything. <laughs> and I felt like I was new at every activity again. So. With, the, with the altitude, like affecting your, your, like the breathing. Yeah. That, yeah. yeah. Absolutely, the altitude, and then also like just running at an incline. I had two knee injuries the first summer I was here because I wasn't used to it, um, which oh, wow. I don't, you know, really get injured that often. So yeah, just like little things like that that you don't really think about until you actually like take the step and you do something new. So would you would you say then that it was like discovering you discovered rock climbing really when you were in uh, Florida and while you were at school, yeah. right? And so yeah. would you say that that it was that passion that that helped you decide to move? halfway across the country, the, the country to Colorado? <laughs> um, I think in short, yes. I think that climbing was really this way for me to feel like I was able to interact with the outdoors more. Um, before, because I'm not much of a, like, a hiker. I don't consider myself a hiker. I don't have the trekking poles. You know, I don't really like plan out these like several mile loops or anything like that. Unless obviously like my friends are like, hey, we're doing this. You're coming with me. It's not really something that I, typically plan um so I feel like when I would go outside I would just go outside and I would just kind of like hike a little bit walk a little bit you know I, I loved running and that was really it I didn't have any other way of really interacting with like what I was doing aside from riding bikes up and down the street um so when I started climbing I felt like okay this is the way for me to actually you know I had this like moment of just like I'm touching the earth I'm using the earth to get somewhere else and it just um that sounds 
so bizarre, but it felt, it was an upgrade from playing for, with corn, basically. Um, <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it. <laughs> you know, it just, it sparked this excitement and um, like a new way of thinking of what the outdoors actually meant to me. It wasn't just like these beautiful sights that I was seeing. I was actually touching them and interacting with them, um, which makes it sound like I'm having conversations as I'm climbing, you know, with the rock, but well, what it, it sounds like there's something there, like a deeper connection or something like to like yeah. tangible, like, can you explain that more? Like, what do you mean by like, like, what's the significance of touching like the earth or the rock? You know, without going too much into it, I'm not much of a spiritual person at all. Like, I'm, I'm just not, I'm pretty surface when it comes to stuff like that. And I hope that's not a huge disappointment. But um, I think when it comes to people, I think we just for you to feel connected to something, I feel like sense of touch is such a big deal. And so for me just to look at a mountain and just be like, oh, that looks pretty. In my eyes, <laughs> no pun intended, it's just, it's not the same as actually getting to experience it and like, <laughs> I keep saying interact with it, but, you know, using the rock to actually maneuver yourself upwards in a direction that you want to go feels completely different than just looking at it or even not that it's different, but hiking or something. Yeah, well, I think what, I mean, I might be getting metaphorical here, but I think what I'm hearing is is really, to me, what what partly this this show is about, which is, you know, it's one thing to to sit back and dream and have this vision and like, you know, daydream about your, your dreams and goals and mm-hmm. whatever. But when you actually like get dirty and put your hands on it and get in it, like it's a totally, totally yeah. different experience. Yes, yeah, yep, well said. Because I feel like it's, um, <laughs> and I say this live because, okay, I'm not really a skier. Um, not that I'm opposed to it. It's just, I haven't really made that a priority. Um, <laughs> and if you follow me on Instagram, it's pretty obvious. But um, I'm not big on the cold. I'm not huge on snow. So I like to kind of, you know, all my friends do it. So I kind of like to just joke around with them. I'm always like, yeah, we got to earn our turn. Um this whole idea of I don't want to just be given something I'd like to earn it ultimately. And I think any sort of outdoor activity that requires some sort of, um, which skiing obviously does, um, but any sort of activity outside and it could be walking, it could be whatever it is for you, but some way of you sort of earning that moment of being outside um, and not just like being one with the crowd. That to me, I think is what climbing is. So how do you earn, how do you earn your moment? How does actually climbing up the wall? Okay. So like, getting, <laughs> like, getting actually, like yeah. So yeah. So the actual like act of like going through the process and physically getting yourself up there, um, you know, uh, rather than, like I said, just like looking at it and saying like, Oh, this is a beautiful mountain thing. Like, okay, wow. Like let's actually climb this out and like, let's find a way to get up there. Um, yeah. You know, like let's challenge ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you, you remind me of this, um, this, this book that I read by Donald Miller. And I think I always mix up the title. It was, it's either like a thousand miles in a million years or a million miles in a thousand years might be the latter, but he talks about how, so he's this author and he goes and long story short, he's like having like a midlife crisis and achieved all his goals and, and, uh, decides at some point in the story in his book to, to hike, to fly and then hike, uh, fly to and hike uh, Machu Picchu down in South America. And he talks about how so many people would get kind of lifted and dropped off. And when you see those people up top, they, you know, it's a beautiful place and they really ad- um, admire it and appreciate it. But 
but he chose to take this like 10 day trek through the mud and like the, the brush. And he had a, like, it was like miserable hiking up to this place. But he said when his group got to the top, they were just like bawling because it was just that much more meaningful because they actually worked for it. And it sounds kind of like yeah. what, you're, what you're talking about, like earning that view and earning that. Yeah. Yeah. That moment. That sounds like an awesome book. Um, and that's super relatable. I think, you know, I think a lot of people can even sort of relate with that. It's this idea of just the more you struggle, like the sweeter the actual reward is. Um, you know, I don't know, just being given something, it's just, yeah, there's, there's obviously like your, there's a, there's a reason people do that. You know, people who are going to get dropped off somewhere. Um, maybe it's a different mindset. It's something that I don't quite <laughs> understand because to me, I feel like unless I had some, and this is going to sound weird, but unless I have some sort of just like struggling or, you know, growth, like pain, like obstacles, overcoming this challenge. Um, I don't appreciate what, is earned from it as much. Yeah, I think that that, I mean, so this goes along with what, what we've been talking about so far. And, you know, hopefully, hopefully the listeners are, are getting it because I think that um, it's so true what you're talking about. And also, and, and I want to um, bring this up because I think that we, you know, some people listening, they might think that it's all kind of rosy peachy and, you know, you went to Florida and then you're like, oh, I, I love climbing. So I'm going to go to Colorado and like, there's no, there's, you know, we skip over all the middle, but something that, that I, I remember reading that, that you'd shared online was your, um, if I'm pronouncing it right, it's something that you, you struggle with is, is called Raynaud's. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. It's uh, Raynaud's. 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 Yeah. And that's something that definitely can have an impact on not, not only your health, but on climbing and, and being mm-hmm. like uh, an active, living an active lifestyle. Can you, can you share and kind of explain like just briefly, like what that is and like that you, and how you discovered it? Yeah, absolutely. So um, when I was about, I was really young, I'm trying to remember the actual age, but I think I was like 11 or 12 when I started to notice um, going out in the snow for me just was not fun. <laughs> I feel like if we're going to get done with this podcast, they're going to be like, okay, this girl does not like snow and she plays with corn. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, I noticed that I just really didn't enjoy the cold. I didn't like the snow. Um, my feet would go numb. My fingers would go numb. Um, I remember running cross country in high school. And at one point we were doing some long distance run that day. And halfway through my feet both were numb. And, you know, I tried fixing my laces and all these other things and my feet would be completely white. I thought that everyone experienced that. And um, I thought that everyone just kind of pushed through it. So I didn't say much about it. I just kind of figured I was really sensitive. So I was, of all things, my mom was watching an episode of Dr. Phil one day. I'm not kidding. Oh, wait, no, Dr. Oz, not Dr. Phil. Gosh. And so he was on there and he was talking about Ray Oz. And, um... My mom was shouting down the stairs, you know, like, yeah, this is you, this is what you have. And I remember thinking like, okay, I'm not crazy. The snow isn't helpful for me because it's causing this reaction in my hands where essentially my blood vessels, um, they overreact to the cold and they completely cut off any circulation at all. So my fingers, my toes, sometimes my knees um, or an entire hand or foot will go completely white and numb. Um, it's really bizarre looking. It looks like, <laughs> it looks like, 
the hand of a corpse or something like that. It's so bizarre. So, so, you know, like once I was kind of acknowledging the fact that I had that, I moved to Florida and I've done a lot of research on it since then. I've actually written a blog post about it because it's just, uh, it's a lot more common than you would think. And it's primarily with women. Um, so I kind of figured, you know, like, how did I not find out about this until I was, I think I was like 18 or 19 or something. Um, so I've done a lot of research on it and essentially when you're in your early twenties, it can actually get worse and be like that for a few years. And I'm not really sure what the long-term effects of it are, but I know that when I was in Florida, it got a lot worse and humidity can definitely impact it. So I remember going on a bike ride one time. It was 70 degrees outside at night and my hands went completely numb. And I just had this moment where I was like, okay, I'm living in Florida. You know, this is where I should be able to function. I should be able to do things, activities outside. Like this is a sunshine state. How is this happening to me right now? Like, do I have to live here forever? Am I never going to be able to interact with any sort of element that's going to be any lower than 75 degrees? That seems insane. So I actually did more research on it. (laughs) I do a lot of Googling and um, I found that you could actually take medication for it. So I tried all the natural remedies and they just didn't work for me. So I saw a doctor and I was like, hey, I'm pretty sure I have this. I have pictures of it, you know, and she put me on a medication um, and that made the attacks less severe and less painful. Um, But if I don't take it consistently um, or if I'm outside for extended periods or, you know, there's like a lot of factors into it, regardless of the medication, it still happens. Is that pain painful when when you get it, when when you have an episode? Yes, yeah. So it starts out just kind of losing sensation in your feeling or in your feelings in your fingers, um, and then you know it's when the blood rushes back through, it hurts so bad. And I don't know if you're familiar with the term screaming barfies, but in ice climbing, there's a term like because it's essentially you're feeling that sensation of the blood rushing back into your you know your fingers and your tissue and everything. And so it throbs. It feels like someone's taking a hammer and they're just like smashing your fingers Uh. or your toes or your knees or whatever it is. Um, And so there's been times actually where I would start (laughs) crying because it hurt so bad. And I was just like, what is wrong with me? Wow. That's amazing. That's amazing that you're, I mean, how do you, how did you deal with, and you must've dealt with that for so long. I mean, how did you deal with like in the middle of, (laughs) I think it's scary enough for some people to be climbing as is. But then if you have all of a sudden a rush of blood coming back into your extremities and fingers and it's like it feels like someone's hammering your your hands, I think that would make it a little harder to hold on to <laughs> to the wall or to Yeah. The- yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I think the reason that I just kind of would I don't want to say I would ignore it because my God, I, I think anyone who's gone climbing with me would just hear me like either actually screaming from the top where I would if I would say the ropes especially, um, or if I'm bouldering, I would just have someone like sit on my hands and like someone please like I need body warmth or something um <laughs> I've tried everything um but you know I think it's just kind of this level of comparing myself to others I see other people doing it and they're climbing and they're doing fine and yeah it's cold outside it's going to hurt anyone's fingers whether you're you know you have Renaud's or not but with Renaud's I think it does make it a little more extreme um but I think I see other people doing it and they're not complaining and they're you know it hurts so I think okay well I'm not going to complain I just try to push through it, but you know, there's always that element of can my hands function right now? And sometimes they 
actually can't function. <laughs> but, you know, it's definitely been a challenge for sure. Uh, I recently had it so bad on my toes that I actually had damaged tissue on my toes. So uh, that sounds really unflattering. <laughs> like, you know, like my feet are black. They're, it looks totally normal, but for a while, the tips of a few of my toes, it's almost like the um, beginning stages of frostbite. Frostbite, yeah, um, wow. So, and it's something silly too. It'll be like, I was out, you know, riding my bike and it was like 50 degrees. So it's not even a big deal. It's just, it depends on what you're wearing that day, what the conditions are. Um, how long are you exposed to it sort of thing? So, yeah. So, I mean, that's, first of all, thank you for, uh, you know, for sharing all that. Cause it's, it's, I think it's, it's something that I never really knew about, I think, uh, until hearing, until hearing your story and then you, you writing about it online. Um, and it's, it's amazing. Like I remember seeing some of the stats and you said how, how many people it affects. Well, and mostly women. It's, uh, it's just, I think that it's something that could use more information, um, and more research, you know, and people putting it out there and, and kind of advocating and speaking on it. But when you wrote about, I remember reading, I think you said you wrote about it on your, on your blog. And so for those that don't, that, that don't know, Hannah has a blog called uh, Cap, Caps Lock Collective. So on the, on the blog post, I remember you writing about, um, and, and to anyone hearing your story, you would think that, that Raynaud's is something that is like a huge obstacle and like something that's just like a severe, uh, you know, like a really difficult challenge especially for a climber and someone who's as active as you are. But I remember reading the the way you wrote about it almost, it almost sounded as if, you know, rather than that, just being the end of the story and saying like, you know, I have this condition, I just can't climb or I just can't be active anymore. I can't, I can't do and using it as an, as an excuse. It seemed like you almost like gave credit to climbing for helping you overcome the condition and, like almost flipped it into a positive is, can you tell us about that? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, so to touch on that a little bit more, um, while I was in Florida, I was actually, when I first graduated college, I had this thought in my head that I was going to go to law school. I thought I was going to be a lawyer. I thought I was going to do something with environmental, you know, politics, or I had really no idea. But at the time, I was like, I have a degree in English, what am I going to, what am I doing? (laughs) Um, And I got that question a lot, as I'm sure anyone who's gone to school, or, you know, is in school, um, you seem to get questions like that a lot. So I was working at a law firm for two and a half years when I first got out of college. And um, it's a very different environment than what I'm in now. It's, it was this office where I was in a room, you know, for eight hours a day uh, with no windows or anything. And so that kind of gave me this feeling of isolation. Um, I was just mostly interacting with people on email. When I was seeing people, it was, you know, lawyers, uh, judges, people who generally aren't trying to chat with you about going outside or doing anything um, fun. <laughs> in my eyes in my eyes fun um what they, they were having fun uh doing their stuff but you know so i i definitely felt a sense of isolation and also longing for the outdoors more than i had before that i think um that's when i started really getting into climbing and going on these climbing trips so that was almost like this epiphany of just like okay i don't have to feel like i'm isolated i don't have to feel and i don't want to be really dramatic but i mean i was i was really depressed 
um, with the situation I was in. Um, so climbing kind of like opened this door of just, hey, there's more to life than just, and that sounds really cliche, but there's more to life than just doing this nine to five, Monday through Friday, um, not thinking outside of the box at all, and just earning my paycheck, going home, you know, um, making dinner, going to bed. And for some people that works and that's awesome. For me, it didn't. So climbing was this outlet of just discovering passions again and kind of taking control of my life and saying, okay, you know what, this weekend, I'm going to go up to Georgia. I'm going to go to Tennessee. I'm going to get outside and I'm going to push myself. Um, so when the Renauds came, it was this huge obstacle that was, you know, it felt like a setback. Like I, I thought, okay, I just discovered something I love. I already feel like I am struggling to have a sense of community since I'm not in college anymore. How is this one condition? How are my fingers going now? How's that going to affect me? You know, if not now in a couple of years, is this going to eventually wear me down and I'm not going to be able to keep up with everyone. And so I kind of use that as just, <laughs> I use the anger that I felt with it really to try to find a solution and, you know, I think climbing for so long with my fingers hurting or not being able to feel what I was doing, camping and waking up in the middle of the night and just being like, okay, I can't feel my legs even. <laughs> like it, it, it's pretty severe. Um, I think that just pushed me to think, okay, I have to find a way to make this work for me. And um, for me, it happens to be medication. For other people, it could be another form of therapy that you can do uh, that can help with it. So. Wow. It's, uh, it's, I think it's a powerful message because it really sounds like your, your back was up against a wall and, you know, you moved, you're, you're very far away from, from friends and family, um, or at least, you know, who you grew up with. Um, and then, like you said, you were like kind of yearning for this community and, uh, almost self-expression and you just discovered this, this passion and there's this huge obstacle in the way, but you found a way around it. And, um, and then, so I, I, you know, I appreciate you sharing that because I think it just goes to show that even, you know, on people's journeys, there's, there's going to be the ups and downs, right. And the, I think having that mindset to like, how am I going to turn this, how am I going to find a solution or turn this into a positive is so important. And it's, it seems like that's something that you possessed. So I, I you know, something I want to ask you, you know, before we shift gears a little bit here is where do you, where do you think, um, just and this is something that was in some of your writing, but where do you think that, where do you think gratitude plays a role um, so far in, in your journey? Going back to what we kind of mentioned before, I think being grateful for what I'm able to achieve and also just being thankful for the struggle, <laughs> learning to um, sort of embrace the challenges that any sort of you know, journey, whether it's doing a climbing problem um, or walking to your car in the morning, <laughs> um, whatever you achieve after that, it's that much better. So I feel like for me to have those moments where I was like, everyone else is fine right now. This hurts so bad. Um, I can't keep up with people. I'm holding people back. You know, I, I felt like I was. Um, I think having those moments of just self-doubt and feeling like I wasn't strong enough to be with everyone else made me appreciate the ability that I'm able to today, you know, mm. that much more. That's a really powerful perspective then. It's, it's almost uh, changing the way you look at 
uh, changing the way you look at struggle and almost making it so that it, it sounds like struggle then is almost something that you embrace. It is. Yeah, it definitely is. So, so I want to shift, I want to shift gears a little bit because we're going to fast forward. You were in, you know, so you moved from, from Illinois to Florida um, and your, your condition just got worse and you finished school. You had a degree in in English, you said, uh, you were thinking about being a lawyer and tried that out a little bit. Sounded like they didn't have a Harry Potter room there, so that wasn't going to cut it. Um, and now you're, <laughs> and now we fast forward to to being in Colorado, and you have this blog, Capsaw Collective, and you are doing some freelance work as uh, as a writer, a copywriter, and and social media. I think that is right. So how mm-hmm. how is how is that? Um, how do you wrap that laugh that light lifestyle around? your passion for, for being outdoors and climbing? So um, one of the really cool things, or I guess one of the, the highlights rather of me doing what I'm doing now, which is, you know, as I said to you before, I was like, yeah, I do um, freelance, you name it, you know, and that was kind of me just, I feel like that's kind of like a dad joke. I don't know. I could just imagine my dad saying something like, oh, I'm a freelance, you name it. But I feel like it's an umbrella term of just all the things I do. I do social media management. I do copywriting for websites. Um, I've done some design for websites and my design is so, it is so bad. I, it is so uncomfortable for me to do that. Um, you know, so I think it's just the freedom of setting my schedule, you know, um, planning where I'm going to be. And I know that a lot of times it can kind of be stressful because I mean, I told you right before I got on this podcast with you, I was out in my car doing work and I was using my hotspot and waiting for my friend to get out of a meeting to let me into her workspace. Um, but I like the everyday change of pace. You know, I can pick where I'm working from. Um, in the summer, especially, I really appreciate the fact that I can work from the library, go on a run, and, you know, up in the mountains, come back down, finish work for the day, do something different tomorrow. So the flexibility of being able to get outside during the day when the sun's up, um, appreciating the weather, like having access to it when it's in my favor, rather than just waiting for, you know, five o'clock to roll around. And then it's just, I think having more control. So um, that's been the biggest perk for doing freelance work, in my opinion. Yeah. And so it sounds like, though, I think this is something that a lot of people miss is because it sounds, it sounds so compelling. Like it's the freedom and the flexibility, and I think those are like awesome things. And uh, in in my work, working for myself, those are things that I also like. I can relate to that, and I, I appreciate those things. But I think part of the challenge that I'd like to hear your perspective on is how you find and practice the discipline to kind of navigate all those freedoms and flexibilities, and to still get the work done, and and to find clients. And like, can you talk about that side of like the the business side and productivity side of the freelance life? Yeah, definitely. Um, so finding that balance has been an ongoing struggle for me. You know, that's um, something that I think a lot of my close friends will even know. Um, some days it's like I'm super diligent and I'm able to do my work and then I cut out time for activities. Um, and then there's been plenty of nights where I'm up until three or four in the morning because I'm like, well, I'm the one who got myself into this. I'm, I have to be done with this by tomorrow. You know, I'm pushing deadlines. It feels like college again. 
I feel like I'm waiting until the last minute on things. Um, and, you know, part of it is the whole creative process of like, how can you force it? And under pressure, I feel like a lot of times those things do come easier to me. But um, just being able to maintain your own schedule, <laughs> to be honest, uh, if anyone has the answer for doing that and doing <laughs> it well consistently, then like, let us know. <laughs> let me know. Yeah, get yeah. a hold of me. <laughs> let me know. Um, because it's something I'm constantly learning to do. And I know that I'm in a closet right now because um, who doesn't like sitting in closets? But, <laughs> you know, I think the idea of having some sort of structured area where you're either working with someone consistently or you're in person with other people, like a co-working space, I do now fully support that mm. that idea whereas before i think i was thinking like why would you pay to do that um whereas going from coffee shop to coffee shop can be a bit exhausting um and then the daily distractions of other people are just going about their day but you're trying to you know you're in a meeting you have a phone call in a few minutes or you need to submit this writing sample um it's it's interesting it's definitely interesting but um you know i for now, at least, I do appreciate that sort of discomfort of <laughs> um, pressure being on rather than just kind of having my day planned out for me, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I think that, I mean, and I'm so happy to hear you share that because I think that's something that we, and when I say we, I think it's there's so many people that need to hear this. It's not just the people who are trying to, uh, you know, make a go at it and, and start their own business or, or to be a freelancer. Um, but also people who are thinking about it. I think it's really important that they know that there's, it's not just all, um, sunshine and rainbows, but there's, there's another side and, you know, there's pros and cons to everything and to every decision, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things I would love to hear you talk about is I think I found that you were also listed as a zero shoes ambassador um and this is for those who don't know zero shoes if anybody watches shark tank there's this uh couple with crazy long hair and like basically a strap of uh leather tied to a piece of rubber that they were were calling shoes on there which actually like has this there's this incredible backstory and if anybody's heard of the book born to run it's amazing they should read it but that kind of gives you another perspective um and some insight to the, I think it's the Tarahumara Indians, if I, if I said that right, that live down in, in Mexico. And anyway, long story short, um, they are a, a running shoe company, but kind of more of like a minimalist running shoe, uh, if, 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 if that's right. And maybe you could take over from here. You could <laughs> describe it a little bit better, <laughs> how, you're, how you got involved with that. Um, so basically, I, of all things, it's kind of funny. When I first moved up to Colorado, I thought in my head, okay, I'm in a state that is going to support this sort of lifestyle that I've been trying to cultivate for the past few years. Um, something that I've wanted to do, you know, I want to be on the mountains. I want to be outside. I want to be in different scenery locations. Um, I want to have this sort of access, you know, um, and by doing that, <laughs> when I moved to Colorado, I was like, this is amazing. I'm in the, this, prime location for connecting with outdoor companies. Um, you know, at the time I, when I first moved out here, I had no idea what I was going to do for work. I didn't even have a job lined up. I just came out here actually with my ex at the time. Um, and I remember 
getting on Craigslist, finding a job, <laughs> a writing job. But then I still wanted to work with outdoor companies. Um, so that's when I started reaching out to products uh, companies, you know, that I actually really enjoyed their products and Zero just happened to be one of them. Um, and I said, hey, I'd love to do work with you. I don't know how. I don't know if you can offer that, um, whether it's, you know, through Instagram or some sort of collaboration, just, you know, let me know. And they got back with me. They're like, hey, we'd love to do that. So <laughs> uh, one of my sandals actually broke, of all things. And I remember contacting the company and the owner of the company said, hey, Hannah, can you meet me on Pearl Street? And I'll give you, you know, I'll help you out. And so um, he met up with me. He helped me out. We chatted. And um, I just had this moment where I was like, you know, this is a company that I've known about since before I moved out here. And I just met up with the owner very casually. What? And um, yeah, so, um, you know, they sent me a pair of shoes to try out. And I think the shoes were meant, they weren't sandals, they were uh, closed toed. But I think they were meant to kind of be like this everyday lifestyle sort of shoe. Um, but of course, I love running with minimal shoes. So I was like, this is great. I'm going to use these for running. And so <laughs> I still use them for running. Um, so yeah, so me, I haven't actually done a lot of the actual ambassador work with that company yet. Um, and I say yet because I think it's something that I would like to start doing um but they had me join the program and um i think my biggest hesitation is i don't ever i don't know how i feel about saying to my followers hey here's this promo code go here do this i'm going to get compensated for it and you're going to have you know a percentage off of your purchase um i know there's benefits to that and i know followers people who i follow who do that and i actually enjoy it but i'm so hesitant to come across as just like, hey, while I have your attention, um, you know, I'm trying to make money off of you, which I don't think is a bad thing. I think I need to understand that like doing that sort of thing, it's not bad. You know, you're pushing a product, you're sharing a product that actually means something to you, something that you actually care about. And I don't know. I'm just so worried about coming across as sales pitchy or something. Um, which doesn't feel genuine. Right. And I think that that authenticity is something that we, I don't know if it's as a generation or a society as a whole are just craving like more and more. I, I totally can relate to that. And I, even in my own uh, business, I think that that's something that's really challenging to overcome is that feeling, even if you know that you aren't acting that way, but just feeling like that salesy kind of, I don't know, snake oily kind of that, that vibe is something that just like does not sit well. And so what do you, and actually, I think I remember you cause I follow you on Instagram as well. And I think I, you had a post, I'm not even sure when it was sometime in the last year, probably kind of sharing this, how you wanted to put a product out there, but just didn't, it didn't feel right. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know the exact post. Yeah. Um, so it was actually with this company and, um, it, they're called Frey. I think it's called Frey Skincare. And they're an awesome company. They have great products. I loved, it's really unfortunate <laughs> because I loved what they sent me. And um, I was using it and I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. And their their target or like, you know, their, their thing is um, making skincare that's good for people who are active and who are outside in the sun, who are sweating. Um, so I was like, oh, perfect. So I remember using it. 
And they're like, great, you know, do a post on it, mention your code, put a story on it, and voila, we'll send you more products. <laughs> they sent me the products. I did the post. And it was up for a few hours. And I remember just going back and reading it later. And I was like cringing. I just had a moment where I was like, I can't believe I just did this. What am I trying to do? You know, like this doesn't feel genuine. I planned this out. It just, I don't know. Um, not to sound really dramatic, but it just, it felt, it felt fake to me. And so I actually edited it and I said, Hey, you know, like earlier I was trying to like push this product. It's a great product, whatever. But like that's I don't know if that's me right now you know I don't know if I can do that and I actually apologized to everyone and I think everyone was just like we don't really care whatever <laughs> but <laughs> so I take it that they haven't sent you more products since since then <laughs> um they actually reached out to me and they said you know hey like would you would you had our products before would you like more and I just said I, I'm trying to remember exactly what I said or when it was but Essentially, just, you know, I really like your products, but I'm not really available to do this right now. Um, <laughs> I don't have the, I'm not brave enough to do this right now, you know, <laughs> uh, is what I should have said, I guess. But yeah, so I, I don't have their, I don't have any more of their products anymore. So that was a, yeah, and that's such a, I, I think that's something that, you know, when you see like the, the what is it, Kyle, the Kendall, I, I honestly, I'm so out of touch with pop culture, but the, the Jenners, uh, when they put a, like an Instagram post and it's like a hundred thousand dollars and you see that and you just think like, Oh, that's the life. Like that must be so amazing. And, and maybe for some people, they don't think twice about it, but I think that there's a whole, uh, group of individuals that, that, that feel this way, that it's like, I love how you said that, that it's like, I'm not brave enough to do this right now because it's, it's putting, it's not only putting yourself out there, but it's also like, you're basically when you are representing another brand, it's, it's, it's a kind of attaching yourself and almost attaching your brand to that company. And right. Yeah. I think that's, that's a vulnerable spot to be in. Yeah. That's a good way of putting it too. You know, the whole idea of like your personal brand, I know that's kind of a, a buzzword right now, but um if people don't know you in real life and they just know you through social media, there's this idea of who you are. So Hannah, we're, we're uh, winding down on time, but I wanted to make sure that we spent just at, at least, or at least touched on um, what seems like a newer project for you, which is, I'll just, I'll call it doodling. Uh, Cause I'm not sure <laughs> what category it falls in, but can you tell us about this new, uh, this new passion or project or side hustle or whatever you want to call it, this these doodles that you're putting out there? Yeah, definitely. So I doodle, as you know, um, and anyone who follows me on Instagram, I post it on my story all the time. Not all the time, but pretty frequently um, for the past couple of months. Um, I've always enjoyed doodling. I've never been very artistic. I'm actually really, really awful at art i'm not good at painting um (laughs) i'm not really you know i guess you could say just gifted in that sense so i've always just doodled really hideous drawings and um putting bizarre phrases with it in different words um and i used to just do it for my friends i did it all throughout elementary school and (laughs) you know just like between my family and like my close friends growing up it was always just kind of like this like thing that I did um and then recently I started doing it a little bit more 
sharing it on Instagram. And I think the feedback that I got is what really just kind of made me realize like, okay, maybe I should do something with this. Um, <laughs> to the point that I feel like I've had people say to me, you know, um, like, Hey, how are you going to, are you going to like make t-shirts out of this? Like, are you going to make stickers? Where are you going? What direction are you going in? So it actually got to a point where um, coincidentally yesterday, one of my followers actually did a, an embroidery of it of one of my doodles and was showing like, Hey, like this is Hannah's doodles, you know, and I'm using this to make an embroidery (laughs) and it completely blew me away. What was going through your head when you saw that? I, (laughs) well, I had a moment where I thought this is what it feels like to really make it. Um, (laughs) No, I'm joking. I I thought like, I, I honestly was just like, it's a feeling I've never had before because I don't think I've ever felt, I struggle with this idea of like anything that I create or produce or share. I don't ever feel like it's as good as it could be, I guess. So I feel like these doodles are just like this outlet of me being like, here's this shit drawing here. Here's this phrase that in my eyes doesn't really make too much sense for most people probably. Um, But for some reason it resonates with other people. Um, So honestly, it feels like a relief. (laughs) Because I feel like sometimes writing, especially blog posts for me, um, or copywriting that I do for clients, it it takes this effort that doesn't always feel natural. Sometimes you have to force it. And these doodles are the one thing that I think I do um, that just kind of happens. Um, it's this happy moment where I'm just doing something that feels right, you know, and <laughs> it's really silly, but it's taken off pretty well uh being that people just really respond well to it um i finally did make an actual instagram page for them um yesterday but you know that took me however many months to do that even because there's this thought in my head well what if i do this and no one follows what if no one likes it and you know i finally realized like who gives a shit if no one follows or likes it it doesn't matter like i i should just do it anyway i should try um so I'm trying to make that more of a thing of just instead of letting this fear of, well, what if I fail, pull me back and just kind of jump and do it. Yeah. And what, what is that page if, the, if people want to find it? But the name of the Instagram account is now or noodles. It's kind of a play on now or never. Um, and why did I change or why did I choose the word noodles is the question I've gotten asked a lot. <laughs> and um, I think the word doodle is just a little too obvious. So um, I like the name. I like the word noodle. That's really it. I just really, I love noodles. I think they're, it's a fun word to say. And um, I also really like eating them. So yeah, it's simple. Well, I, you know, for me, when I saw that, I, I, I saw the now or never, and I, I just kind of took the N and put it with doodles. So that's, that's how it made sense to me. So I think yeah. it makes sense on a lot of different, a lot of different levels, but so awesome that you're putting that out there. Um, and it's really um, just, it's, it's playful, right? I think, I think it was um, Brene Brown, if you're familiar with with her or her work, who has uh, talked about and has some research on kind of the importance of play and whether that's, and I think play is not just, you know, doing things you like, but also doing things for no other reason than to just have fun and to just kind of put yourself out there and, um, and to just kind of have that mindless sort of like when you think of when you're a kid and that's kind of almost what it sounds like. Um, you know, hearing you explain the process of these, you know, of your doodling, 
I think that that that's something that people can connect to. So I think it's so awesome that you're putting it out there. Um, and Hannah, I just want to acknowledge you for, as we're closing up here, I have two, two final questions uh, for you, but I, I just want to acknowledge you for sharing everything that you have and for putting yourself out there and um, not just on the show, but in so many different spaces uh, online and whether it's on social media or your blog or uh, wherever it is and, and in whatever capacity, I think that that's something that we could always use more of. So I appreciate that. And thank you for, you know, your being, being genuine. Thank you. Thank you so much for saying that. So final two questions here. I think I, I did sort of somewhat prepared you for, for the last one uh, or, or for this next one. I really want to know what your definition of success is. So I want to ask you what, what does success mean to you? So when I first saw that question, I, <laughs> my first thought was, okay, well, let me Google this and see what other people are saying, because I have no idea. Um, and I think, you know, the classic idea is just like, well, does it have to be your financial um, status? Does it have to be where you live? Is it who you're married to? If you're married, is it who you're dating? Is it how many kids you have? Um, and I think that it is, you know, very individual to individual. And personally, I think the biggest thing that we've happened to touch on a lot today is, um, you know, overcoming your struggles and um, kind of earning what you're what you want to achieve. Um, so in summary, I would say that facing your fears and overcoming what sort of makes you nervous, what makes you feel like you could lose everything, but deciding to do that, I think that to me feels like success. And I can even relate that to climbing. Um, I don't climb for the grade. You know, I'm not getting out there and saying like, oh, I got my first 510, I got my first 511. I think, was I scared as hell to do this five seven? <laughs> yes, I was. It was terrifying um, for a number of reasons. Was I afraid to do this five nine? Absolutely. But did I do it anyway? And I think that's what feels like success to me is pushing through that fear and deciding to do it anyway. Mm, that's um, awesome. I, th- I think that it's it's also really cool because it's it's kind of like a sliding scale that it's different for everyone because what might be uh and so the five seven nine those are like degrees of difficulty for climbing um (laughs) as far as i know for those for those who aren't yeah who aren't aware but it sounds like what might be like um a more difficult task or climb or whatever it is for for one person might be might be totally on a different scale for somebody else and I, i think that that is awesome that you're your definition is so um, flexible in, in that way. Thank you. Yeah. So the la- last question is what's uh, what's the best way or where's the best places for, for people uh, to reach you that want to reach out and connect or, or if, uh, if someone wants to hire you for some of the, the work that the freelance work that you're doing. So well, I guess the best way would be on my website uh, that links to all my social media accounts. Um, and that is what you said earlier, Caps Lock Collective, um, which is kind of bizarre because it's not really tied to like anything that I do right now. But the idea behind it was um, when I'm excited about something, I write in all caps. So at the time, I was like, that would be a great name for a blog. Let's go ahead and do that. And then I created it, transferred all of my old writing to it, and then called it a day. Um, but, you know, that's still like the platform where I can actually show what I've done. Um, so 
that would be probably the best way to get a hold of me that or Instagram. Definitely. Awesome. So well, I'll, I'll make sure to, and what's your Instagram handle if people are just listening? It is Hanner period Reeves. Sounds really funny saying it out loud. <laughs> but a, a little bit easier to read. So I'll, I'll make sure to link those up in the, in the show notes uh, and definitely people uh, go to capsulcollective.com or the uh, now our noodles um, Instagram page. <laughs> look, at the, look at some fun uh, artwork. We'll call it uh, some doodling. And, and it sounds like uh, Hannah might even have some connections if you, if you want it uh, embroidered or turned into <laughs> turned into uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. clothing of some sort. So with that being said, Hannah, thanks so much for, uh, for coming on and spending some time with us here. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I hope you enjoyed listening to my conversation with Hannah Reeves, the human behind Caps Lock Collective. It was honestly so refreshing to be able to connect with Hannah and hear her story, as well as what I think was my favorite part of our conversation, which was getting a glimpse into her mindset and really seeing through her eyes when it comes to dealing with struggle and setbacks. Of course, learning how to play with corn was a close second, but nonetheless, Please show Hannah some love on Instagram or go and check out her doodles if you really want to see something that just screams raw and quirky. <laughs> Again, all the show notes are on rileymcgee.com slash podcast. And if you've listened this far, it would truly mean so much to me if you rated and reviewed this podcast to help other people hear the same powerful stories. So thank you so much for listening. I'm Riley McGee, and until next time, have a beautiful, beautiful day.